Hi, welcome to New Hope Community Church Online. The sermon you are about to hear was originally given by Pastor Chuck Wilson. New Hope Community Church, to know, to live, and to share Jesus Christ. The title for today is The Great Commission Continued. The Great Commission Continued. Uh, Matthew 28, 18 to 20. Now we're actually in Joshua 18. So why didn't I tell you, why did I tell you to turn to Matthew 28? I will explain. Uh, don't panic. Don't panic. I'm committed to finishing Joshua this summer. And I looked it up. It's only going to be just under two years. I did pretty well. Pretty well. It could have gone a lot longer. Uh, but what a book, right? Oh, what a book. An amazing study. I mean, unbelievable. In fact, it's so much fun. I'm thinking about doing it again. In a couple of years, hang around. You might just hear that, that book again. It's just such an awesome, awesome book. Um, it's really, uh, I'm, I'm kidding about doing it again, although maybe in a few years, but, uh, but you, can, you can do it again. You can go back, and we have all the CDs. We have the podcast. We have the YouTube. You can go back and start from the beginning. It's just such a foundational book for understanding who Jesus Christ is and who we are in Christ. The, the, the living out the Christian life is just powerful, powerful book from the Old Testament. I, I saw a, a, a pretty well-known TV ministry guy, TV preacher this week, and he, he was, made the statement that the church needs to unhitch from the Old Testament. The New Testament church needs to unhitch from the Old Testament. I think he's unhitched from something. I think that's unhinged uh, spiritually. Everything in the New Testament is connected to the Old Testament. You can't even begin to understand the New Testament unless we really know the Old Testament. It's impossible to separate the two. Impossible. Uh, so anyway, that's my, uh, that's my promo for today for the Old Testament. But anyway, last, last time we were in Joshua chapter 18, uh, when I was here last, and the title was Move It or Lose It. And we talked about getting unstuck. Remember the manure spreader story? Getting unstuck, moving forward, finding God's purpose for our life. We talked about that. And I connected the dots to the Great Commission. Matthew 28, 18 to 20. And I really encourage you. I'm not going to ask for hands, but how many wrote it down and, and have it on a card and you're memorizing it or on your phone somewhere? Because it's really, really important. Most Christians in America don't even know what the Great Commission is. And I, and I heard about that. I'm like, I'm going to make sure, because someday I'm going to stand before God, and he's going to say, why didn't your church know what the Great Commission is? I don't want him to say that to me. So I want to really encourage you to memorize this, meditate on it, focus on it, live it out, and I want to go a little bit deeper into the Great Commission today. Next week we'll get back to Joshua 19, 20. We're going to fly through it this summer. Don't worry, we're going to get through it. But, uh, but I really want to just go a little bit deeper in the Great Commission because it's so foundational to the Christian life. It's the last commission, the last words that Jesus gave to the church, really. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the worship today. We thank you for bringing each one of us here. We know we're here for a reason, a purpose. Maybe for someone it's the day of salvation, the day they put their faith in Jesus. For others, it's, it's a, day of us, a day for us sanctification, moving forward in our spiritual walk as we, as we celebrate communion today. We pray for your mercy and grace in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, Matthew 28, 18 to 20. I shouldn't even have to read it for you because you all have it memorized. I already know that. But then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, 
baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. We could spend two years in that, those verses alone. But I'm only going to do two weeks. This is the second one. Uh, two, two years. Listen to the last time because last time we really focused on the discipleship a part of it. When we were in Joshua 18, connected to the Great Commission, Matthew 28, we focused on discipleship. So I'm not going to hit discipleship today. I'm going to go connect some other dots today. But discipleship. And the first dot I want to connect here is with the Great Commission... The first, when we're talking about discipleship, being a radical follower of Jesus Christ last week, the first step to becoming a disciple is becoming a Christian, right? That's the first step, becoming a Christian. And, and we become a Christian by being born again. Born again. Spirit, the word born again means to be spiritually born. And, and last time I said 50% of Americans, but I looked up the newest stats. The newest stat is down to about 35% of Americans claim to be born again Christian. It used to be 50%, down to about 35%. Uh, now, I know in our culture that the term born again has some baggage, right? It has some baggage. Many equate it with the guy, and I talked about this last time, the guy in the purple wig behind the goalpost holding up the John 3.16. I, I Googled him, looked up his whole story. That guy was crazy, all right? There's, I'm not going to go into all of it, but he, he's, he's in a lot of trouble. But anyway, uh, or I remember years ago there was this fiery preacher who in Texas who was you know, born again and stressing how you have to be born again, which is true, but the way he did it, he had a, a T-shirt on that said, this is you, and then he would set himself on fire while he's preaching somehow. And he did it 75 times, 75 times, but the, the 75th time he posed too long for the picture, and he got pretty burnt. But anyway, we won't go there. To- toasted, all right? So, uh, but a lot of people, that's what they see, you know, born-again Christians, these crazy people. In fact, George Barna, George Barna, uh, Christian polls, pollster, kind of like a Gallup pollster, does a lot of great studies for the church. The church, And he found out that born-again Christians, the culture sees them two ways. The culture has a negative image of them, and these are the two things they think of as a born, of a born-again Christian. Someone who goes to church more and is more judgmental. That's the viewpoint of a of born-again Christian. We've got work to do. Now, we do need to go more church, right? but we don't want to be seen as judgmental. We want to preach the truth in love. We got, don't back down from the truth, but it's got to be in, done in love. And if we preach the truth, if we speak the truth, Paul, remember, speaking the truth in love, if we speak it in love, it won't come across as judgmental. It'll be convicting. It'll be upsetting. But, but they, have to know, they have to sense the love that it's, that's driving us to speak that truth. Very, very important. Now, We've got work to do, but born again is a biblical term. Very, very important biblical term. In fact, Jesus said you must be born again. You must be born again. John chapter 3, he's talking to Nicodemus. Nick at night, remember he sneaks to see him. The religious Pharisee comes to see him. And Jesus says in uh, John 3, 3, In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. Verse 7, you should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. I'm going to quote Jesus. You, we must be born again. We must be born again. Literally, the word means to be born from above. The Greek means to be born from above. Just as we have a physical birth, there has to be a spiritual birth in our life. The way we got our, 
our life here on earth is we were born physically. Same thing spiritually. The only way we get our spiritual life is we have to be born spiritually. You may not remember the exact time and date, although I tell people all the time, if you, if you do, write it down in your Bibles, the date I put my faith in Jesus Christ, I gave my life to Jesus. But you might not remember the exact day and time, but you must know it happened. You may not remember when you were born physically. Probably don't. But you got a video or something. Yeah, you can watch it. Yeah, that's when I was born, okay? You must know what happened. I remember there was a former president. I'm not going to name him. Uh, former president and also a famous athlete about the same time who both made a comment in, in the headline news. They said, he said, they both said, I'm a Christian, but I'm not a born-again Christian. I remember them saying that. And I remember thinking, well, according to Jesus, that's impossible, that's an oxymoron, right? With the stress on the moron. But anyway, we won't go there. But uh, Jesus said there's no other kind of Christian. You must be born again. If you're not a born again Christian, you're not a Christian. Blame it on Jesus. I didn't make it up, all right? Now, Jesus then goes on to say how we are born again in John 3, 16, which I think you've heard that a couple of times here, right? You better have it memorized. But anyway... John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. How are we born again? By believing in Jesus. And it's not intellectual. This is not an intellectual. The word in the Greek is much, much deeper. It means to completely trust in, to completely depend on, to cling to. The best picture I can give to you is when I held the baby up here a little bit earlier. She was hanging on. And if I let go of her, guess what? She would have still been there. She clings. You know, she's a clinger, a Klingon, right? And, uh, and, and they, that's, what the, that's what we're supposed to be like with, with, with Jesus. We're clinging to him. We're trusting him. We're, we're counting on him spiritually. And when we put our faith, it's when we, we must put our faith. Believe it means we must put our faith. He says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. He gave his only son, Jesus, to die on the cross in our place. For our sin as a substitute for us. He, he died in our place. And that the, the key is knowing about is, is not the, the key. The key is believing. We have to believe. We have to put our faith in what he did. We have to accept that gift. We have to receive Jesus Christ and the gift he gave us by putting our hearts, trust, and faith in what he did for us, in Jesus Christ. And that's what it means to be born again. We must put our faith in Jesus. The rest of John fills out the details, his death and his resurrection for us. And it's all by faith. It's all by faith. It's not human effort. It's not religion, following religious rules and rights. It's none of that. In fact, Jesus is talking to Nicodemus, a Pharisee who followed all the religious rules. If anybody's going to go to heaven by being doing the right thing and being good, it'd be Nicodemus. But he tells him, nah, you must be born again. And Nicodemus, what? How could he be born again? And then Jesus tells him clearly. But... Be, he says religion won't save you. Good works cannot save you. It's impossible to work our way back into God's favor because of our sin and our rebellion and turning away from God, this planet. It's impossible to work our way back into God's favor. It's impossible to get to heaven someday by trying to be good or following religious rules. It's impossible. If it was possible, God would never have sent his one and only son to be tortured and to die on a cross in our place. It's the only way. 
And he is the only way. Jesus said, I'm the way and the truth and life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And we only come through Jesus through faith. There is no other way. It's impossible. It's crazy to try to earn. And most people, if you go to most people in America and all around the world, they're trying to earn their way into God's favor. They're trying to get to heaven someday because I never did the did this or I never did that or I'm I'm a pretty good person and it's all or I go to church I've been baptized I've been you know all the religious jump through the religious hoops it's everybody's trying to be good enough when they're missing God's way which is to put our faith in Jesus Christ we cannot earn our way and I'm going to give you a picture of how ridiculous this is but I'm going to use a a physical picture of how crazy it is what what we try to do when we try to be good enough I'm going to use a a farming picture as you can probably guess all right Um, some of you might remember this story it's been years since I told it but uh, I I remember something that happened I was helping my dad do corn and what you do in the fall the corn gets ripe, and then we let it turn. When you eat sweet corn, it's soft. i got to do this because you're all city slickers. But you eat the sweet corn, it's soft. But if you leave it go, you leave the field field corn go, it gets hard, really hard, you know? It's like it just gets hard as a rock, really. And, And then that's when you pick it. You come through with a corn picker, and you pick it, you put it into a wagon, and then you take it, and you grind it up, and you make cow grain out of it, you know, feed out of it. And, uh... Try to make sure this is understandable for you. But anyway, the, uh, I'm, I'm kidding. But the, so we grind it up. So we have to go pick it. And so my dad would pick the corn, and I remember I would go and unload it. And he would have this corn picker, and he'd fill the wagon up. He'd unhook it. I'd go hook it up, and I'd trade wagons. And, and I'd take it back up to the, the corn crib, and then I would you'd open up. I should have brought the video, some of the videos. The kids love doing this stuff, so the little ones cry. But anyway, the, uh, the, you open up the corn crib, it comes into the elevator, it goes about 30 feet up, and it drops about 30 feet down, and it starts to fill up the corn crib. And, and you, you, that's how you fill up the corn crib. At load after load after load, and then when you want to get the corn out, you grind it up and all that. But, but I, my job was to fill up that corn crib. So I remember I was just getting, bringing a load of corn back up to unload into the, to the elevator, into the corn crib. And one of the kids from our youth group, he was like a junior in high school. And I was helping with the youth group at the time in our area and was real involved with the, the teen ministry. And his name was Denny. And he was a character. He was a joker. He's always trying to pull a trick on somebody. And I was always trying to pull one on him. And so he comes and he says, hey, can I help you out? And when Denny says, I want to help you out, it's, that's not any help at all. Believe me. Yeah, he, he, he was a problem, I, you know, trying to help out. He'd do all, break equipment, all kinds of stuff. So I'm like, no, nah, Denny, there's not much you can do. No, no, I really want to help. Let me stay. Just go home, Denny. I'll see you tonight at you. No, no, I want to stay. I want to stay. Okay. All right. You can help me out. Uh, he goes, what do I got to do? I go, you can stack the corn. He's like, what? I go, well, I'm unloading the corn here into the corn, into the corn crib. I, you, you can stack it. He goes, it's not stacked. There's millions of ears of corn in there. Well, it's not stacked. I go, that's because I didn't have anybody here to help me. But now that I have someone here to help me, my dad's going to expect it to be stacked. He goes, no, oh, okay. So he crawls up into that corn crib, and, and he gets underneath the elevator, and I turn it on, and I start sending the corn up and coming down. And he's tr- catching these ears, tr- catching, trying to catch the ears of corn and stack them. Now, 
Imagine stacking sand, right? All right that, this is what this is like. It's impossible. It's impossible to stack two ears of corn, much less thousands that were coming down. And they're coming down 30 feet down, and they're hitting him in the head, and they hit him in the arm. And he was a wrestler. He was a tough kid, so you could take it. But bam, 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 you know, and he's doing it. And I'm, and I'm just watching this, and I'm like, I, I'm literally leaning on the, the wagon, like crying. I was laughing on crying. I'm leaning on the wagon. And I turn around and say, you're doing well. Good job, Denny. Good job. And he turned around and gave me a thumbs up. Bam, bam, bam. You know, yeah, yeah. And it, one ear of corn hurts, but there were literally thousands coming down. And he's trying to stack them. And, then I, and, and I'm like, Denny, you missed a couple. You missed a couple. He didn't. He's lucky to got one. You know, it, it, it just, he's like, I'm doing my best. Bam, bam, bam. You know, and he's getting hit. And, he's, and the whole wagon, he unloads his load of corn. This is, I wish I had on video. I would win that America's Funniest Videos, I'd win the super duper prize. Easy. I, this was crazy, crazy, crazy. And so he gets all done. He comes down. He's got corn silk in his hair. He's got welts. He's got bruises. He's like, you know, he's all scuffed up. He comes in. I couldn't believe it. one ear of corn would hurt, but he got hit with many, many, many ears of corn. He comes in. He goes, oh, I don't want to do that anymore. This is hard work. I go, farming's hard work, you know. He's like, no, but I, I just don't want to do it anymore. Danny, we've got to do it. My dad expects it done. If I have a help, he expects it done. So we get on the tractor we're driving back down the lane to get the next load and he's like but Chuck I really don't want to do this anymore I go all right you can ask my dad when you get down the field ask my dad if he gives you permission not to stack the corn you don't have to stack it but you're gonna have to ask my dad you know I can't make that call so we get down there and I unhook the the wagon there's a rope we pull on it pulls out the draw pin and leaves the wagon I go over where my dad's got the full one he's just coming to the end filling up another one and we're going to trade. And he sees Denny's probably thinking, what is that kid doing here? You know, keep him away from my tractors. But uh, then, then I, so Denny, I said, go ask my dad. So I, I leaned back in the seat and put my feet up on the tractor and just like took a real nonchalant stance. And, and Denny, Denny goes running over the corn crib to my dad. My dad comes climbing out. And I see him start to talk to my dad. And my dad's got like, he did like this face. You know, like, I'll never forget his face. He's like, what? Well, he couldn't, couldn't, couldn't grasp what he was saying. And, and, and then, and then I, and I just kept a real straight face. My dad kept looking past him. Here's Denny. Denny's like, you know, this, you know. And, and, and I just kept a straight face. And then, and then, then I see Denny start doing this, you know, like the, the, showing how the corn's hitting him in the head, how much it hurt. And, and my dad's still like, what? And finally, I, I just cracked a smile. And when I did, my dad literally, look at somebody shot him. He just fell on the ground. Just fell down, laughing, laughing. He starts crawling toward me. I got off the tractor. We're laughing, crying. I start, you know, I'm staggering toward him. We laughed and laughed and laughed. He couldn't believe it. He would try to stack corn. And Denny was so mad. Ooh, this is Denny. Ooh, I'm going to get you. You know, I'll never forget his look. And it was like crazy, crazy. Anybody would be crazy enough to stack corn. That is a picture of what we try to do when we try to get to heaven. We're trying to stack corn to heaven. And it's never going to happen. It's impossible to reach the, the, the holiness and, and the perfection that God has called us to live. It's impossible. It's impossible to, to pay for what we've done and to get right with God. It's impossible. There's only one way, through faith in Jesus Christ. So if you're here today thinking, I'm going to be good enough to get to heaven, just remember, corn cobs hitting you in the head. Just remember, that's what you're doing spiritually. It's crazy. Now, back to the Great Commission. First thing is born again. Uh, 
we talked about making disciples. We went into detail on that last week. Make sure you listen to that. The first step today is, is putting our faith in Jesus Christ. Then we are disciples. But the next step after putting our faith in Jesus Christ, the very next step is Matthew 28, 18 to 20. What's the next step after putting our faith in Jesus Christ? Go and make disciples. Baptism. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Baptism is the very, very next step. In the Bible, understand something. In our culture, well, you get baptized whenever you feel like it. Well, in the Bible, it was right after salvation. Many times at the same time, it was at salvation. The, the moment you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you, you got yourself baptized. In fact, I'll give you one example. Acts 2, 37 and 38. In Acts 2, uh, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized. Repentance is part of salvation, by the way. A lot of people say, oh, I just believe. No, no. There's, you're believing in salvation. You're believing in Jesus dying. But first, it's repent. I'm turning away from my old life. Very, very important. And we're turning towards something. Faith in Jesus. That, that's very, very important. We're from sin to Jesus by putting our faith in him. And baptism is very, very important. It's the very next step. Very next step in our Christian life. Uh, and biblical baptism is always believer baptism. Believer baptism. Can babies believe? No. Infant christening. I know a lot of you are from that tradition. That's a tradition that developed over time. It's not anywhere in the Bible, anywhere, anywhere, anywhere. It's a tradition that developed over time, but it's not in the Bible. But it's okay if it's simply seen as a dedication. There's nothing wrong with christening a baby and, and dedicating him to, to God. There's nothing wrong with that. Some, some of us do dedications, some do christenings, as long as it's not seen as salvation. That's where it goes wrong. As long as it's not seen as salvation. If it's simply a dedication and doesn't replace the, the, the preaching of the gospel that you need to put your faith in Jesus, because a lot of people are like, well, I was baptized the baby, I'm going to have No, it's by faith in Jesus. And also it doesn't replace believer baptism. I run into people all the time. They say, well, I, I don't need to be baptized in the river. I was baptized as a baby. That's not biblical baptism. That's not the same thing. Those are two very different things. As long as it doesn't replace salvation and doesn't replace uh, believer baptism, there's nothing wrong with christening a baby. Okay? Nothing wrong with it. Uh, but it's just a dedication. But baptism is for believers who have put their faith in Jesus Christ. That's what the Bible teaches very clearly. And biblical baptism is always, 100% of the time, immersion. That means going underwater. It's, and there's a reason for that. It's a very important spiritual picture of dying spiritually. Dying, your old self dying. And what do you do with a dead body? Do you sprinkle it with dirt? Or do you bury it? It's buried. There's a very important reason why 100% of the time in Scripture, baptism is underwater. It's a spiritual picture. Very, very important. Uh, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a public witness, but it's also a picture, on, an outward picture of what has happened inside of you. People can't see our hearts. They can't see what happened to us spiritually. 
So baptism is something that Jesus commanded to show people what happened spiritually. Our old self died and goes, and goes under the water. It's a picture of the old self dying and being buried with Jesus. And then our new self comes out of the water. That's a picture of what has happened inside. We have a new life. We became a new person. We're a new creation in Jesus Christ. And that's why it's so important that we go under the water and come up out of the water. And that's why Jesus commanded it. And that's why it's the only thing that was practiced. In fact, in Romans 6, listen to this. In Romans 6, talks about this very thing. In Romans 6, 1 through 6, he says... What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Now here we go. Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. If we have been united with him like this in his death, we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. It is a picture of what has happened in our heart the moment we put our faith in Jesus, under the water and out of the water. That's, that's what it's a picture of. And have you ever followed Jesus Christ's command to be baptized? Have you ever been baptized as a believer under the water? It's a vital step of obedience to Jesus Christ. And not only that, it is powerful and it is awesome. There's nothing like it. I, I can't describe it. All I'm going to say is every year it's our most powerful service. And every year people say, why did I wait? This was amazing. The Holy Spirit will touch you in a way you can't even imagine. And uh, lucky for you, uh, August 12th, we're going to have our next baptism at the river, August 12th. Talk to me ASAP, and we'll start getting you ready for that, that baptism August 12th down at Lewis Island, okay? Two biblical ordinances. One is baptism. There's one other one. This isn't the Great Commission, but I'm, I'm connecting the dots here. There's two biblical ordinances, baptism and communion. You may come from tradition where there are many other ordinances and stuff. There's only two biblically. And uh, communion, which we're celebrating today... It has its uh, foundation in Luke 22. And in Luke 22, let me just start here with verse 14. What, listen to what happens. This is Passover. The Passover, Jesus is celebrating it with his disciples. When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table. And he said to them, I've eagerly des desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, gave thanks, and broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way after... In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Jesus was celebrating communion with his apostles here. Uh, the, they were eating the Passover dinner. They would eat the lamb, which uh, represented Jesus, obviously. And they also would eat unleavened bread. And the reason they would eat this is to remember the Passover when God delivered the Israelites from Egypt, from their slavery. You know, Saul saw the Ten Commandments. You know, Carlos and Hudson. They were delivered uh, from slavery. And this is remembering it, and now Jesus connects the dots. 
He connects the dots. He is the Passover lamb sacrificed for us. He's connecting the dots. And he gives the Lord's Supper. And once again, he gives the bread, just like they had the unleavened bread. He uses the unleavened bread, and he uses the cup of wine. And the bread represents his body. The cup represents his blood that he shed. And they're symbolic. They're symbolic of his sacrifice. And he says to take them to remember Take them to remember how Jesus Christ, the ultimate Lamb of God, just like that Passover lamb had to die to, to, to set them free, Jesus had to die to set us free. He's the ultimate Lamb that delivered us from sin, delivered us from Satan, delivered us from death, delivered us from judgment. He delivered us from them all. And Paul, in 1 Corinthians 11, goes into a little bit more detail on it. In 1 Corinthians 11, verse 23, he says... This is Paul talking, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. This is in remembrance. I know people... Attach other significance to it. I don't want to get into all that. But this is in remembrance. It's a remembering thing. Communion is a reminder that Jesus Christ died for us on the cross for our sin. And he gave his body and blood in our place. He was our ransom. And that's what the bread and the cup represent. They're symbolic. And we do this in remembrance of him. And look at verse 26. It says, until he comes. Doing it until... Uh, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. We're not just remembering what Jesus did, but we're also remembering that he's coming back again. He's coming back again for us. It's a reminder that Jesus is coming. It's a reminder that Jesus could come any time. And communion is a time to remember that. Are we ready? Are we living for Jesus Christ? If he came back right now, would you be okay with that? Or would you be like, uh, another week would be good. I need to get some things in order here. <laughs> Don't raise hands. But anyway, the, uh, it, it's a reminder. And that, that's why it comes with a warning, too, in verse 27. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. A man ought to examine himself before he eats of the bread and drinks of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without recognizing the body of the Lord eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many among you are weak and sick and a number have of you have fallen asleep. But if we judged ourselves, we would not come under judgment. Very, very important. Very important. Uh, uh, verse 32. When we are judged by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not be condemned with the world. Very, very important. This is a warning that, that anything that's blocking our communion, not just on communion Sunday, but anything that's blocking our communion with Jesus Christ is, is very, very serious. It's a warning to be ready constantly for communion. Not just here, but every day. Communing with God. Connecting with God. And, and being ready for the second coming. That's what it's a warning. It's a reminder. And it, it's a convicting thing for us. Are we ready for communion with Jesus Christ today? Is there, are we living for Jesus Christ? Are we ready for his return? That's what we should be focusing on every communion. Jesus is coming back. Are we ready for his return? What if he came back... Right now. Right now. 
It could happen. What if he comes back right now? Are we ready for Jesus? This is the time. We don't know when he's coming back, but he, he, he says be ready. This is the time to clean house. This is the time to cleanse our hearts. This is the time to reconnect with Jesus Christ. That's what this communion time is for. And it, it should lead to, it's just priming the pump for communing with him all throughout the week, all the time, all throughout the month, communing with him. Have you put your faith in Jesus Christ? Have you put your faith in Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God? Have you put your faith in Jesus, the Son of God, who died in your place? John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Have you ever put your faith, believed and put your faith, your trust, clung to Jesus Christ, repented of whatever in our, in our life is against God's word, our old life, that old self, let that old self be Die with Jesus on that cross and put your faith in Jesus coming back out as a new person in Jesus Christ. Have you ever taken that step of faith? We're going to just go to communion here in just a moment. And maybe you haven't put your faith in Christ. This is the time. I'm going to lead us in prayer. It's time you can do it. Or maybe there's something in your life that is blocking communion. This is the time to repent of it. If you're not willing to, you're not ready to put your faith in Christ, it's okay, keep coming, keep coming. It's a journey, it's a spiritual journey. Or there's something in your life you're not ready to surrender. Wait. Don't take the Lord's Supper in an unworthy way. Nobody's videotaping, we don't take attendance, nobody cares. It's between you and God, all right? It's okay if you don't take communion. But I hope that you do because you can. You can surrender anything that God is convicting you to surrender. You can surrender that today. You can put your faith in Jesus Christ this morning. You can. Not pressuring you. Wait till it's the right time, but you can. Let's pray. In in just a moment, after I finish prayer, we're just going to have some worship music playing. And and if you're ready, you can just come on up and, and take the bread and the cup. You can take it back to your seat and take it alone. You can take it with someone else. You can take it with your family. There's no right or wrong way. It's between you and God. But how is God speaking to us as we prepare for this communion? Maybe you're here and you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ. You believe, but you've never put your faith in Jesus. And today, for the first time, you really understand what it means to be born again, to be born spiritually You can be born again right now. At this very moment, it's a prayer of faith. It's not a religious rite. You don't need me. You don't need anybody. It's between you and God. It's a prayer from your heart to God's heart. A simple prayer. God, I repent. I turn away from that old life. I repent of all sin in my life. I ask you to forgive me. Because I'm putting my faith in Jesus. put my faith, my trust, my hope 
in Jesus and what he did for me on that cross. I give my life to you, God. If you have prayed that prayer of faith, you have just been born spiritually. You are a brand new person, a new creation in Jesus Christ. His Holy Spirit is living inside of you and you will never be the same. You can never be the same. You can now commune with God anytime, anywhere, starting here. But you can connect with God anytime. There's your heavenly Father who loves you more than you can possibly imagine. I want to encourage you, if you've taken that step of faith, to let somebody know before you leave today. Maybe tell me on the way out or fill out the card, stick it in the box or... Maybe you're here with a family member or a friend. Let somebody know. Before this day is up, let somebody know so that we can encourage you and be excited for you. Believe me, we will be. For those of us who have already put our faith in Christ, how is the Holy Spirit speaking to us? What do we need to surrender today? Are we ready for Jesus to come back right now? Will we commit to being baptized, taking that step of obedience to be baptized, showing the world that we have put our faith in Jesus Christ? Father, we pray that your Holy Spirit would move in a powerful way as we pray and as we take communion. We pray that your Spirit would move in a powerful way in our heart. And this would just be the start this week of, of becoming more like Jesus, becoming more radical disciples, followers of Jesus Christ. We pray this in Jesus' name.